0: Is it June yet? A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate
1: following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the
2: show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah.
3: 630 Chad. This is The
0: Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio.
3: 630 Chad. Good afternoon, folks. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this week on The Eskimo Show here on 630 Chad. A week from today. Oh, it'll be a good day. It'll be a good day indeed across the CFL as training camps will officially open. And Morley and I will have a live edition of the Eskimo show following training camp. So we look forward to that. Speaking of going across the CFL, we will do that in the second half hour of the program. And we will preview The CFL, in rapid-fire fashion, will head to the other eight cities and talk with various media members, and uh, we'll give you the sizzle of uh, what we can expect from the other eight teams here in the 2016 season of the Canadian Football League. But first... Riley drops, waits, looks, throws to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darrell Walker
4: with the reception. and Riley being chased now, but he gets the ball away. Touchdown to Darrell Walker in the corner of the end zone, just across the goal line. Riley with a great throw as he's being taken down, and Darrell Walker's got a pair. There's a big one for
3: Riley to the end zone! How about three for Darrell Walker? Touchdown, Eskimos! That's just a small sample of the year Darrell Walker had for the Eskimos in 2015. Helped the Eskimos to a great cup win. Also was named the CFL's most outstanding rookie in a season where he played 12 games. Yeah, he missed the first six games of the season after a solid training camp, over 100 yards receiving, most of that coming in a game against the Saskatchewan Roughriders in Fort McMurray for Northern kickoff, also uh, caught the winning touchdown pass in that game. But uh, Darrell Walker had to bide his time. But in those 12 games, He finished fifth in CFL receiving yards with 1,110. Had a chance to catch up with Darrell and to talk about his preparations for the upcoming season and uh, to reminisce a little bit about
1: 2015. (laughs) It's been been pretty well, you know, uh, know, just trying to perfect my craft and uh, get better week in and week out.
3: Tell me, uh, I guess, how long have you been, I guess, Because I I know how how athletes are, uh, because I've been around them long enough, to know that you don't want to dwell on what you did. You want to work on what's to come. But how much time have you given yourself to celebrate the 2015 Great Cup Championship, and when did you say, okay, that's it, we're going to focus on
1: 2016? Um, Well, uh, you know, I I celebrated for a good little while, uh, pretty much until I got back home, really. Which I came back home in like December early December, and then I just you know hung out with the family for a little while, didn't re- relax and um, didn't do too much training, but I really started hitting it hard around mid January started getting back to it around mid january um working out you know pretty much every day throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the week you give yourself lots Try of runway to time of to something. you give
3: yourself lots of runway to kind of purge what happened in two thousand and fifteen. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, it was a great year. It was a great year for uh, our team. Our team, you know, Great Cup champions, man. You can't beat that. Um, This year we had to defend our title, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to that.
3: Well, you have to forgive me because we'll we'll spend a little bit of time talking about 2015 and the Great Cup win, and then we'll talk some about 2016, which is, uh, you know, we don't know how that story is going to be written yet, and I know how the way you want it to be written, but uh, when you... uh, Tell me about the feeling... When the final gun sounded in Winnipeg and you beat the Ottawa Red Blacks to, to become Grey Cup champions, what do you remember about the feelings, the emotions, uh, the celebrating with teammates, and even, you know, the quiet moments uh, with you and your thoughts and, and you know, what, what really comes to mind when you reminisce?
1: Uh, man, it was just a great moment. Um, you know, never I've never been a champion before, so, you know, this is a first for me. So, uh, just after that game, when you know, when the final buzzer went off, you know, it just, I was shocked for quite a bit, you know, and I I still look back at that moment and still, you know, I'm still, you know, I get a little emotional. I'm still pretty shocked. Can't believe it. Probably won't probably, – probably really start to set in when we get our rings when I get back. But uh, that night was a great night, you know. Um, just got to see a lot of emotions that you don't see. Uh, in, in, in a lot of your brothers that's on the team, you don't get to see the emotions all the time. So, you know, it just, just being able to do, experience that, you know, it's a great feeling. You know, uh, all your hard work pays off, you know, and I was just happy – that I got the chance to celebrate with my brothers, you know, because every year, you know, uh, teams change. So, you know, that's, that's a memory that no one can take from us.
3: Yeah, you got to really cherish that 2015 team, right, in that, that championship year because, like you say, things do change, personnel does change, and it's happened already. So, uh, you right. know, what, what was the identity, you think, of that 2015 Edmonton Eskimo team that
1: ultimately went on to win the Grey Cup? Uh, man, we just had a lot of hard workers. Uh, you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of hard workers on our team. Uh, a lot of leaders. You know, um, you know, everyone wanted to win, and we competed every week at practice. You know, um, uh, our defense was very, very was really good. So, you know, going against them every day at practice, you know, is going to be going to be some some conflict. You know, guys going to get into it because we're all competitive. So, I think that's what truly made us a great team. Overall, you know, we had a, just a great group of guys, and just the characters on that team were just, you know, you know, just outstanding. Speaking with Darrell Walker
3: on the Eskimo show here on 6:30. Chad, voice of the Eskimos, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this week. Eskimos training camp will begin a week from today at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. That game, the Grey Cup game itself, it, it kind of felt like to me, Darrell, when I was when I was watching it and how everything unfolded kind of mirrored your season in some way. And um, especially maybe more the, the first half than the second half, even though, you know, there were some games in that 10-game winning streak that, you know, were really close ones for you guys and you really had to scrap, scrap right. and claw and, and, and fight to get wins. But did it kind of seem like that's how your season went? Like that's how it, you know, or, or, your, or, that, or the game kind of mirrored your season a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Because, you know, uh, we started out the season with a loss um and then we you know you know we had injuries uh you know Mike Riley went down and uh it really affected us but somehow some way we we believed you know and 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 Riley came back and you know we just we just made work we just made it work with what we had you know um like I said we have a lot of guys that are very very competitive that doesn't like to lose so you know that really helped us and drove us to be better every week against every opponent and sometimes we came up it came up close but we uh you know we, we we don't stop playing until that buzz buzzer blows. So, and that's what I like about this team. We finish. We finish. Last year's team we finished very well. So, um, and it always put us in in great situations at the end of the game. You know, we come out with it, fight hard the whole game. Sometimes things doesn't. Sometimes things doesn't go our way, but we don't give up. And that's that's a great thing about last year's team. We uh, we fight. We fought to the end.
3: We'll talk more with Darrell Walker after the break about his remarkable start to his CFL career, the chemistry that he developed with Mike Riley, not playing for the first six games, and expectations heading into this 2016 CFL season. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this Sunday on the Eskimo Show here on 630Chad. You're
0: listening to the Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630Chad.
3: Welcome back to the Eskimo Show. Dave Campbell in for Mortley Scott here on 630 Chad. A programming note just after 6 o'clock, we will present game five of the Eastern Conference Final between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back to our conversation with Darrell Walker here on the Eskimo Show. Darrell Walker missed the first six games of the CFL season. When he did get back into, when he finally was able to crack the lineup, he had the best three game start in CFL history. 472 yards in three games, but that was with Matt Nichols, and James Franklin. You, of course, remember Mike Raleigh hurt his knee in game one of the season in Fort McMurray against the Toronto Argos. So I asked Darrell Walker about the chemistry he was able to develop, and rather quickly, with Mike Raleigh when he was able to return to the lineup on Labor Day.
1: Uh, you know, man, we always just got extra reps at the end of practice, and you know, we had to make it work, had have to have to get it going pretty quick if we want to continue um, to win games. So, you know, we just, we found a way to connect it didn't really take too long for us at all you know just because you know mike riley is a great he's a great quarterback and he and he adjusts very well so uh you know as long as he throws it in the vicinity um i'm going to do my best to try to go get it and and um once once after he got he got um i can't think of the word once after he started believing in me and trusting me Mm -hmm. you know it was all up here from there so um i had to gain his trust and we had to uh, game chemistry, which it didn't take too too long, you know, because um, I guess prior to what I was doing, prior to my um, playing before he came, so, you know, he kind of knew that I could play and catch somewhat, and then also in training camp, you know, he he saw me a few times, you know, whenever um, I wasn't, you know, going with the ones and whatnot, but, uh, man, you know, Mike Riley is just a great quarterback, and, you know, he has a lot of experience, so You know, it didn't take us too long to adjust to throwing me the ball or or anyone, I believe. You know, he just... He puts it in a great spot for all his receivers, so, you know, you can't you can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That makes it a lot easier to play for a quarterback
3: that just puts it in the spot, right? Just trust you enough to get right, there. Right, most they, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Right, exactly. Speaking with Darrell Walker, Eskimos receiver, also uh great cup champion, and also the uh, reigning CFL Most Outstanding Rookie here on the Eskimo show here on 630 Chet, Dave Campbell in for Mortley Scott on this Sunday. Uh, your season, and I mentioned CFL Most Outstanding Rookie, and you only played, I believe, four, 13 12 or 13 games uh just going off the top of my head sometimes that's a dangerous thing for me uh but uh, you, you finished fifth in receiving yards 1,110 and, and yards and at this point last year I mean you were you know an unknown like you know we've seen many stories of unknowns in the, that make their mark in the CFL like you have but you know you look at your uh you look at your progression you you start on the practice roster after two good preseason games, especially the game in Fort McMurray against the Riders where he caught the winning touchdown. You spent six games on the on the practice roster. So that tells me you play 12 games. I can do the simple math now. Uh, but <laughs> tell, me, tell me about when you reflect back on the way you started and working your way onto the roster, what did you learn about yourself? And, and what was the key to, to you know, being successful after you know, spending the first third of the season not playing?
1: Oh, just, just being patient and um, being able to control what I can, you know, um, and pretty much just being patient and waiting for my chance and whenever I get the opportunity just to make the most of it. Um, you know, it was a tough time for me because, you know, um, it was a while since I had played football, so, you know, I just really wanted to play. It didn't even matter <laughs> what I was doing. I just wanted to play in the game. Um, it was a tough time, like I said, but, you know, I just had to be patient, man, and just allow whatever happens to, to happen. And just whenever I got my opportunity, just to make the most of it. That's pretty much, pretty much what exactly I was going through the whole time. Just ready and anxious to play.
3: Couple more, couple more questions about 2015, then we're going to turn the page. Um, have you had your day with the Grey Cup yet?
1: Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> your day was November 29th last year, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> You're going to get your ring yeah, soon. Yeah. What's that going to be like? Oh man it's gonna be a great accomplishment um that's one thing no one can ever take from me. I'm a champion you know uh not too many people throughout their lifetime you know have made it this far or even just came this close to being a champion um but it's just a great feeling for me and um I'm excited to get my ring um ready to, i'm really really ready to see what it looks like <laughs> but as far as that goes uh i'm just i'm just Blessed and just happy that I got this opportunity, really.
3: Speaking with Dora Walker, Eskimo's receiver, here on 6:30 Chet on the Eskimo Show on the Sunday, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this afternoon training camp, beginning one week from today. So yeah, you 2016, you're trying to defend this title. There have been some changes, obviously, with your coaching staff that's been most notable. You have a new head coach in Jason Moss, who's also your new offensive coordinator. You got a new receivers coach, there's a, you know, a- every coach is new on this team, but um, from what you have, what you know of Jason Moss, I don't know if you have had any conversations with him already, but uh, what, what do you, what read do you have in, in the early going before the season starts here of your new head coach?
1: uh well i know he's um a great offensive coordinator you know um what he did with Ottawa was very very good he had four receivers over a thousand yards so you know i believe that we'll have a lot of production this year i'm looking forward to that and um i'm really i'm really ready to get going really and um as far as coach miles going he seems like a great dude i've talked to i've talked to him and um seems like he's just ready to go to work and um you know uh prove his get his point across that um you know he can be a a great head coach, uh, prove a lot of people wrong, and uh, really, I'm excited. I'm excited to play for him, and I'm really looking forward to the season.
3: Coach, as your offensive coordinator, that's a, kind of a a neat little wrinkle,
1: right? You're not lying about that. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I can't even put it in words. Um, I believe it's going to be a great season for us, and I'm um, really looking forward to it. Um, I know coach, Ma- coach Moss has a has a great plan for this season, so you know. Um, I'm just going to hop on board with him and whatever he, you know, whatever he wants. You know, um, we're going to work it out like that. I guess you know, mm-hmm. um, I believe I try, I believe in him and trust in him, and I know, you know, he's going to set us up in a great position to, uh, you know, be a great team.
3: How comforting is it to know that? you know, with Jason Moss coming in as your new head coach and your offensive coordinator, because he's worked in the system that you worked in last year, that it's that, you know, some things are gonna change, but the, the I guess the, the concepts that in a general sense, the concepts are gonna stay the same and that you basically have the same personnel, except for, you know, one or two changes, maybe maybe one more, but is that comforting to know that you're gonna be working with a similar system and similar, similar uh, personnel groups?
1: Uh, yeah, it really is because um, you—it's—it's—it's know, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult and it takes a good little while to learn a whole new playbook. So uh, that is very beneficial. That, that it's pretty much going to be the—it's pretty much the same offensive playbook and things will be pretty similar. Only thing that would change probably would be the terminology, the name of the plays and so forth. But um, as far as that goes, uh, it, it's very, very comforting.
3: No surprises for you this year, right? I mean, as a rookie, there's always things you got to learn about the league and the, you know, your city and the country. But uh, you have a pretty good idea of what you're coming into this year.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Good stuff. Excited about it. Durrell, thank
3: you so much for your time today. I uh, appreciate it. We'll see you uh, next week on the field.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thank you.
3: So what can we expect from Darrell Walker in year number two? He has definitely set the bar high, and, and you imagine if he played all 18 games, he probably uh, would challenge Eric Rodgers for the CFL receiving crown. But uh, he's into his second year, or will be into his second CFL season, so he'll have the comfort level, the familiarity with the offense, which will not change much under Jason Moss, who pretty much used this system. This is the this is the Mark Trestman slash Scott Milanovic system, which has been used in Montreal then was moved to Toronto was uh, also came here under Steve McAdoo who is now in Saskatchewan so you'll see that similar system that quick passing game that's quick strike offense there the uh, quick passing game in Saskatchewan and you saw it in Ottawa which was used very effectively with the Red Blacks, uh, helping them get to the Grey Cup against the Edmonton Eskimos. So what will we see from Darrell Walker in this offense in year two? It will definitely be a storyline that we will be following. Training camp opens on Sunday. It is open to the public down at Commonwealth Stadium. Two sessions starting at 8.30 and at 10.25. And fan day is June 4th at Clark Stadium from 1 until 4 you'll see the Eskimos scrimmage a good chance to see a good early look at your 2016 Eskimos and Morley Scott and I will be around with the Eskimo show that'll be our final off season show until the season starts and we will move the show in, to our regular spot in season on Monday nights when we come back from the news update here on 6:30 Chad on the Eskimo show we will Go around the CFL, and we'll do it very quick, folks, so strap in. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott here on this Sunday's edition of the Eskimo Show.
0: This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad,
3: Welcome back to the Eskimo Show here on 630 Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Let's begin our rapid-fire CFL preview in the east and the Grey Cup runner-up the Ottawa Red Blacks. 12-6. They won the Eastern Division and have a lot of continuity as I talked with A.J. Jakubik, the play-by-play voice of the Red Blacks on TSN 1200 in Ottawa.
4: Yeah, 17 starters back from, from last year's team, and, and I think offensively this team should be, at the very least, as good. No question the biggest loss on offense was the man that went to Edmonton and Jason Moss, offensive coordinator. I mean, he uh, really stabilized, thing Brought it stabilized things, brought some great ideas. I mean, it was, the offense was dead last in the CFL. Worst numbers uh, in points and, and yards that we had seen from an offense in 35 years in the league. And to turn that around, and, I mean, personnel was a big part of it. Uh, four new receivers, um, you know, five new receivers, sorry, and four of them uh, with uh, 1,000 yards. You know, no question that was a big part of it. Some continuity on the old line was a big part of it. Henry Burris' played was a big part of it. But I think the biggest reason was uh, the addition of Jason Moss. So that's a loss. Jamie Elizondo comes over in that department from Toronto. And, you know, I I think there should be a lot of continuity. I was very familiar with the same offense. They work together in Toronto, and they're uh, basically changing some terminology, but the offense will be the same. They lose Mo Price. Uh, He was the only starter that didn't get 1,000 yards. And they lose Colin Kelly at right tackle. But I think, you know, it was a position of strength anyways. Uh, so, you know, opportunity there. And, and Trevor Harris coming as well as a big uh, addition, you know, at quarterback. But The questions to me are on defense. Uh, the linebackers are all back. Uh, but it's in the secondary where they lost two starters and Devon Johnson and Brandon Thompson. And on the D-line where they lost three starters with uh, Sean Lemon, Justin Capacotti, and Keith Sholigan, where there will be question marks. I think Zach Evans will be able to uh, carry the load uh, for, for Key Sholigan. That's a big reason why Sholigan left, because they prioritized Evans. He was ready to be a starter, and I mm-hmm. think he'll do a good job there. It's just uh, in terms of the pass rush, uh, Aston Whiteside was huge before go- going down to injury. He had seven sacks in five games. That's why they had to bring in Lemon after Whiteside went down. If we see the Aston White side of last year, the defense should be as good. When you
3: look at the reigning MOP in Henry Burris, are are two key factors going to be uh really looked at here when it when, when you look at Henry Burris? One, how will Jamie Elizondo be able to communicate with him? And two, Trevor Harris is in the background.
4: Yeah, I'm sure it'll be it'll be seamless with, with Jamie Elizondo. I really think that's gonna be the case because again, he he's not He's not trying to reinvent the wheel here. You know, what you bring up about Trevor Harris is definitely interesting because he was one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL uh, last season. I think if you're at a rate, you know, one through nine where he was, he was probably three or four in the league. That's how good a season Trevor Harris had. So to get him in behind the MOP, it certainly uh, creates a different dynamic. I think everyone's expecting this to be Henry Burris's last year. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint... I, I think he understands that, hey, Trevor Harris is going to be the guy of the future. But the question is, you know, how short will the leash be if he's struggling?
3: That's the voice of the Red Blacks, A.J. Jacobek from TSN 1200 in Ottawa. To Hamilton, where the Ticats last season finished 10-8, and eight, in large part due to the injury suffered in a game against the Eskimos in Hamilton in mid-September. To Zach Calero, suffered a serious knee injury. He will not be ready for training camp. In fact, he won't be ready for opening day for the regular season. So that means it's going to be either Jeff Matthews or Jeremiah Mazzoli starting on opening day. Let's talk with Drew Edwards, the beat writer for the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator.
2: Well, I think they're going to battle it out to to find out who they want to start with. I would guess that, at least in the early going, that Mazzoli will have the slight advantage given the fact that he played so well in the playoffs when it mattered most. But I do think that it's going to be a legitimate uh, competition for that number two job, which, as you pointed out, will be the number one job going into the season. I don't think they have a return date. As you know, with knee injuries, the timetables vary from from player to player. From all indications with Claro's, things have progressed uh, as according to plan, but that still doesn't give us a firm timetable as to when he might be back. And obviously, I think part of it might depend on how well the Tonkats to do out of the gate. There's no reason. For Caleros to rush back if Mazzoli and or Matthews are playing well and the Tiger Cats are winning games, uh, if they struggle out of the gate, there may be some more pressure on Caleros to sort of uh, accelerate his time to be able to get back. But, look, I think worst-case scenario, uh, they'd like to see him back by Labor Day.
3: Hamilton Tiger Cats beat writer for the Hamilton Spectator, Drew Edwards, to Toronto, where the biggest news for the Argos is off the field no more rogers center it's bmo field from here on out here's the Argos play-by-play voice mike hogan from tsn 1050 in toronto bmo looks great
5: uh think of a, a, a i guess a smaller version of the stadium in winnipeg with the with the uh the the the, the roofs that keep the sound in they've they've added those to the two sideline grandstands and the end zone in the south side so yeah, Argo fans are just pumped and waiting to go. And, you know, the, the, the Rogers Center could suck the life out of a party better than any place I know. So I uh, can't wait to get this thing rolling.
3: Well, I remember uh, Paul Apelis, who was, you know, one-time head coach uh, of the Bombers and now back with the Bombers as the offensive coordinator, and uh, his, his great line saying, sometimes playing at the Rogers Center was like playing in a mall. So it's just <laughs> no atmosphere best whatsoever.
5: I, <laughs> the best line I heard was from Dave Naylor from T.S. Ben, who said the worst thing that you could do if you're trying to turn somebody into an Argo fan was take them to a home game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, you know, it, what What the Argos are trying to do, and it seems like what the CFL is trying to do, is, is create an experience for fans at the park, and, yep. and and that's what hopefully will happen at BMO.
5: Absolutely. They've got the tailgating. All of the uh, the in-game stuff is basically it's been done since November. They, they really have this thing down to a science. So hopefully uh, fans are going to get into it, and it'll start rocking the waterfront like it did back at the old CNE.
3: Biggest news on the field is the fact that uh, Ricky Ray is going to be healthy for the first time in a long time.
5: First time in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he's, he's never had the strongest arm as far as going over the middle and being able to fit the ball into tight windows. But uh, he's got such an amazing degree of accuracy that you folks in Edmonton obviously saw for such a long time. That accuracy is still there. But the fact that his arm will be a little bit stronger and he's going to play t- pain-free, and you couple that with the amount of receivers this team has, I don't know how they're not going to score points. I don't think the problem with the Argonauts this year is going to be with the offense, uh, the defense, and the special teams. They'll be works in progress.
3: That's Mike Hogan from TSN 1050 in Toronto, the voice of the Argos. To Montreal where they missed the playoffs for the first time since coming back to the CFL in 1996, finishing with a 6-12 record. Rick Moffitt is the voice of the Alouettes on TSN 690 in Montreal. And Rick, there's a lot of people thinking that the Alouettes are going to be the worst team in the CFL. What do you think?
6: Well, I don't think they will be as bad. I think Kevin Glenn gives them instant respectability. question is, how high up the mountain can they climb? Uh, General manager Jim Pop has done head coach Jim Pop a couple of favors in bringing Kenny Stafford back to Montreal after his best year in the CFL and reuniting him with his uh, cousin, Deron Carter, who is uh, ever so modestly predicting he'll lead the CFL in catches, receiving yardage, and touchdowns. So that presumes Kevin Glenn will hang on to the starting job and get him the ball.
3: It definitely feels like there's less... Um, of a circus-type atmosphere going into training camp. I mean, two years ago, it was Chad Johnson. Last year, it was Michael Sam. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that question the Jim Pop decision to stay on as head coach because, you know, unfortunately, it just hasn't been – his record as a head coach and, or, or, or body of work as a head coach hasn't been as good as a, his body of work as a general manager. But right now, it just seems like things are pretty calm going into training camp with the Alouettes, and there's some stability there.
6: Well, that's it, and uh, conspicuous by his uh, silence in the off season has been defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe, who has aspirations. Anthony Calvillo has popped up in Alouette offseason marketing campaigns as every bit a face of the franchise as much as any star player. Uh, former season ticket holders who had let their packages lapse received the brochure that had a uh, big glossy photo of S.J. Green, an action shot uh, superimposed with Coach Calvillo. I don't know if there's any other O.C. (laughs) in the Canadian Football League who's getting that kind of face time from his marketing department. (laughs) So I think the expectation is Kevin Glenn has to be a quick study on the newly uh, rewritten playbook uh, with the help of Jacques Chapdelaine. It's not all uh, AC, the O.C.'s efforts on that book. Uh, it's a ghost written as well by Chapdelaine, uh, but if for whatever reason Kevin Glenn struggles out of the gate, Al's fans in their worst fears are going to see not so much a circus but another quarterback carousel.
3: That's the voice of the Alouettes, Rick Moffat from TSN six ninety in Montreal. We head west. When the Eskimo Show continues on six thirty, Chad, Dave Campbell, inform Morley Scott. You're listening to the Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, six thirty, Chad. Welcome back to the Eskimo Show here on 6.30. Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. A programming note, we'll present Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Final. Pittsburgh Penguins hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. We continue our rapid-fire CFL preview as we turn our attention to the Western Division. Saskatchewan Roughriders dead last in 2015 at 3-15 and 15 and made the biggest move of the offseason early in early December, about a week after the Eskimos arrived back from Winnipeg with the Grey Cup in their possession. Chris Jones was named the new head coach, general manager, vice president of football operations, and defensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jamie Nye is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat reporter down at CJME Radio in Regina.
7: And it's going to be interesting to see all these moves that he made this offseason and how they pay off with getting rid of some... You know, long-time veterans John Chick, Weston Dressler, and the list can go on forever if you want me to list them all off. But then bringing in other CFL veterans, uh, John Childs is an interesting one, and the Esk- former Eskimos, Kendall Lawrence, Shemad Chambers, Curtis Steele out of Toronto. He's then fattening the roster with some proven veterans to try to win early. And I think that's the goal for Chris Jones is to be a contender and year one though many believe it's going to be a well it is a remarkable makeover with over 50 percent of the roster changed from last year
3: and i think it's reasonable to expect jamie that this will not be a three-win team this will be much better than a three-win team but uh, the debate about will they be good enough to be first will they be good enough to host a playoff game or will they just be good enough to get into the playoffs or will they be improved but not good enough to make the playoffs that'll be interesting to see how this question gets answered what's your read on it uh, in the early going here
7: well they better be better than a three-win team also rider nation is uh, pitchforks and torches will be out uh, for this team <laughs> and i look at this roster and there's uh, some question marks i think still at the the receiver position of course it looks at the, you look at Darian Durant and the quarterback has to stay healthy and as long as Darian Durant stays on his feet uh, i think the Rough Riders can be a contender can they push into the top 2 to host a playoff game i think that is best case scenario uh, will they be in the playoffs i think they will be in the playoffs and and challenging around that uh, you know 8 9 10 win year uh, but if Darian Durant gets injured, then there's huge question marks over Brett Smith and uh, the other young quarterbacks they're bringing in to try to to compete for the number three spot. So uh, this defense, they've added a lot of veterans. Can they all come together as one, and how long is that going to take? That's
3: Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina. To Winnipeg, where the Bombers missed the playoffs last season for the fourth year in a row with a 5-13 and 13 record, and they were very busy in free agency, and you would have to say they won at free agency with the moves that they made. Here's Kirk Pettin from the Winnipeg Sun, who covers the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
8: Well, it should. You It know, can't get much worse than it did last year with only five wins, and uh, the one thing they've really improved through free agency is the Canadian talent. So, they will have a few more options when it comes to starting their seven Canadians this year, and... You know, with Andrew Harris at running back, uh, Keisha Logan at defensive tackle, I think that, uh, yeah, it should result in a few more wins. Will it be enough to get them to the playoffs, though? I don't know. That's an interesting question because the offensive line hasn't really changed much from last year, and they're the ones who got you really killed. So
3: mm-hmm. we'll see. Mike O'Shea entering his third season as head coach of the Bombers. Is this do or die for him this year?
8: Yeah, pretty much, because uh, it's also the last year of his contract, and he doesn't have an extension yet. So that does it all right there. It's kind of kind of playoffs or bust for Michael Shea. GM Cal Walters has two years left on his deal, and he hasn't fired a head coach yet. So Michael Shea would be the first guy that he would fire. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I you know, I, I guess they could have a good season and still miss out in a tough West Division, and, and he could possibly survive, but. After four years out of the playoffs, the people of Winnipeg will want a playoff spot.
3: That's Kirk Penton of the Winnipeg Sun. To Vancouver and the BC Lions, they finished in third place with an 8-10 and record. Jonathan Jennings was spectacular in the last six games of their season, helping them make the playoffs. What about this season? Well, let's talk with Julio Caravada from TSN 1040 in Vancouver. He is their color analyst. And the biggest move of all, Julio, Wally Bono is back on the sidelines. What impact do you think that will have on the team?
9: Well, I think what it does, Dave, is it just brings clarity to the whole situation. I think that's maybe one of the problems that's kind of happened here over the years with Wally and, and his presence, uh, you know, being both head coach and general manager. Um, you know, he's always had that role in leaving the head coaching and being the general manager, I think. I think a lot of the players found it probably difficult to, you know, wondering where the message was coming from, whether it was coming from the, you know, the coach or the general manager. And so I think, you know, Wally has said and been very honest about it. You know, He said, listen, I, I can't be here and just stand by and watch somebody else coach. I, I've tried to do it. It, it didn't work. Um, I need to be that one voice. And so. I think what it's going to do for the players is it's going to bring clarity. They're going to know exactly what the message is and, and who, who's sending it.
3: When you look at the, the body of work that, that Wally was able to accomplish in the offseason, and he was very active in free agency, yeah. for example, he got Jonathan Jennings to, uh, to a long-term extension of three years. Uh, what, what is that type or what's the, the message he's sending to his own football team uh, through this offseason?
9: Well, I, I, I mean, that's, that's a great, great point. And I think what it's done is it's, it's sent a clear message that, you know, he wants to win. Um, I think you're right. His it, it, His role in free agency, I think, really kind of showed his hand because he traditionally doesn't do much of it. And by going out and, and, you know, getting to Brandon Stewart and the Nick Moore and, and getting these guys to come back uh, and, and build this team that way, um, this shows you. he under, You know, this market is in Vancouver, is, is, it's a very finicky one. They need to win. And if they win, they're going to bring the fans back. And Wally understands that. So, And I also think, too, like there, there's pressure now on Wally, right? Like when you make a decision like this to come back to the field the way he has... Um, you know, it, the buck is going to stop at him. There is no firing the next coach. You know, he knows that his, his reputation and his legacy is on the line, and so I think you, you, you have a guy that's very, very committed and has worked very, very hard in the offseason to try to make his team as, as competitive as possible.
3: Is Jonathan Jennings
9: the real deal? Huh, we're gonna find out. Um, I, you know, and the other thing, Dave, I will say this. And I'm, you know, big. I love uh, Jonathan Jennings and what he's done. He's a great, young quarterback. I think he's what the league needs. Um, but I, I just quietly in behind the scenes, I think that Travis Lule Um, is as healthy as he's been in probably the last three years. I think the rest um, that he got last year on that shoulder uh, has really done him a lot of good. And every single player that I have talked to that has worked out with him, that has thrown with him, has said that that his arm strength is back to where it once was.
3: That's Julio Caravada from TSN 1040 in Vancouver. Our final stop is in Calgary. 14-4, second-place finish, and a Western final loss to the Edmonton Eskimos is the story of the 2015 Calgary Stampeders who lost a lot of talent in the offseason, especially on their defense. Most notable loss on offense was Eric Rogers. Jock Wilson is the Stampeders broadcast host on News Talk 770 in Calgary. Jock, are the Calgary Stampeders in danger of slipping? This season?
0: There is no question, Dave, that the Calgary Stampeders, in my opinion, are not going to be a 14 win team. Are they a playoff team? Sure. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So that makes them a legitimate, you know, contender to uh, to fight for the playoffs in the Western Conference. And as you know, you've got to be a really, really bad team not to make the playoffs in the Canadian Football League. The Calgary Stampeders are a transition team. They're not a really, really bad team. To me, the biggest concern with this football club, you mentioned it, it's on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of the leadership is gone. Juwan Simpson, the middle linebacker, Keon Raymond, another big defensive leader. Uh, he is gone. You've got a new defensive coordinator and Devon Claybrooks. Corey Mace goes from the active play role to you know a defensive line coach there's a lot of changes there and that to me is the biggest question mark heading into training camp
3: Dave Dickinson first year as the head coach he's been with the organization for the last few years Uh, how do you foresee his impact with the team you know,
0: he's been sort of the, the offensive uh, you know coordinator slash co-head coach under John Huffnagel the last number of years. I see that as a real smooth transition. And and Dave Dickinson has already said he is going to lean on John Huffnagel if there is, you know, any issues heading into the season. So I, I don't see that as a, as a big problem. You know, their offensive line was decimated with injuries last year. If they can stay healthy with the offensive line, figure out who's going to be carrying the ball, because that's still a wide-open battle. Jerome Messam... You know, he may be the incumbent, but they may look at running, a, you know, an international player at that position. And then, of course, the receiving corps, you sort of mentioned, off the top, you know, with Eric Rogers, the best receiver in the Canadian Football League, now strutting his stuff with San Francisco in the uh, NFL. Uh, that's, that's a wide-open battle. But there's still some veteran presence back there. I think they're going to be okay on the offensive side well, of the ball.
3: Considering how the season ended for the Stampeders, the Battle of Alberta will be ramped up again this year
0: you know that's that's the beauty isn't it because you know and i know and and we've talked about this before dave i still believe you know the gray cup has to go through alberta because i hey you know what there's a big coaching change in edmonton but guess what you know the the eskimos are still the defending gray cup champions calgary stampeders won it a couple of years as we've mentioned off the top they still have one of the best quarterbacks in the game so you know i look at the rest of the teams in the west and hey as far as i'm concerned it's still got to go through alberta
3: that's jock wilson broadcast host for the calgary stampeders on News. Talk 770 in Calgary. And that'll do it for the Eskimo show here on 630. Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Morley and I will be back a week today following day one of Eskimos training camp. Talk to you then.